So in this week's Parsha, Parsha's Tisaveh, we continue our discussion of building the Mishkan, and this week's Parsha goes more into detail in relation to the Kohanim, that it talks about the Bigadim, it talks about different, um, more elements of building the Mishkan. And at the end of this week's Parsha, we have one of the most famous lines, definitely from this section of the Torah and arguably from the Torah in general. One of those that are often quoted in many different contexts. And that is, V'shachanti b'toch b'nei Yisrael. Let's look in the Pesukim. V'zasher ta'asel ha'mizbech fasim b'n... This is the end, sorry, this is the end of Shemot Parak Lamed Chet, the very end of this week's Parsha. And it says, This is what you should give on the Mizbeach. Every day you should give two karbanot tamid, two constant sacrifices. One sacrifice you should give in the morning. And the other you should give in the evening. And along with this keves, you should give sola, you should give yayin, and it gives us the exact measurements. You should do the same thing in the evening, and it should be a reach nichalach, it should be pleasant for Hashem. Olat tamid This will be the olat tamid. This will be the constant carbon lezorotechem for generations. Petach olamoy lefnei Hashem asher ivad lachem shama ledaber ilachasham. You should give it at the entrance of olamoy. That is the place that Hashem has designated to communicate with you there. Vino aditi shama lebnei Yisrael, and there I will become known to bnei Yisrael. Viniktash bekudi. And I will become sanctified. He says, I will sanctify the Mizbeach, and I will sanctify Ohal Moed, and I will sanctify Aaron and his sons, and they will be the Kohanim for me. And here we arrive at our most famous passage, and I will dwell among and I will be for them a God. I am Hashem their God who took them out of Egypt and I will dwell among you. This pasuk, V'shachanti b'toch b'nei Yisrael, is, is quoted often in many different contexts. If you are at a wedding, Sheva Brachot, often that language will be brought up that Hashem dwells among us. If we are talking about building a new Beit Knesset, a new Beit Midrash, we talk about the fact that Hashem is V'shachanti b'toch b'nei Yisrael. Hashem will dwell among Am Yisrael. But this is the root. And what I want to look at today is not necessarily that pasuk of Ishachanti Yisrael. However, the few psukim that we read immediately before that pasuk, this parsha of the olat tamid, of the karban tamid, of the constant sacrifice. And we are going to have two questions. Our first question is going to be, this exact same language appears in Sefer Bamidbar. As it says in Parsha Pinchas, Pasuk Perakhavchat, the Amarta 
This is what you should tell over to them. This is what they should give to God. Kvasim b'neishana, two kvasim. This should be the carbon tami, the constant carbon, one in the morning and one in the evening. The first should be in the morning and the second should be in the evening. And again, it tells us the solet that should go along with it, which is the finely ground flour. It tells us about the yayin that should go along with it. This is the olat tamid ha'asuya behar sinai that was created at har sinai. L'reach nichoach ishal Hashem. This should be for a pleasant smell for Hashem. So the first question we are going to ask is why, if we are going to have the instructions in Sefer Bamidbar about giving the olat tamid, why do we have the exact same language here? And this question is compounded by our second question, which is not only do we have this repetition that it's written in Parsha Pinchas and also here in Parsha Tzitzabeh, but why is it in our context, it seems very out of context. We are not here talking about the daily activity in the Mishkan. We are talking very much about the building of the Mishkan and the dedication of the Mishkan and the dedication of the Kohanim. Why then, within this context of the building and dedication of the Mishkan, are we all of a sudden talking about the Karban Tamit? So again, these are going to be our two questions for today. The first question is going to be, why do we repeat this parsha of the Karban Tamid two times? Once in our parsha and once in parsha Pekas. And why, if we are saying it here in our parsha, is it so out of context? It doesn't seem to fit within everything else that we are talking about here. Just because we are talking about the Mishkan doesn't mean that everything fits within it. So we're going to start with the first question, which is why this repetition? Why write this Parsha here and again in Parsha Pinchas? The first answer that's given is an answer that goes according to an idea presented by the Rambam in the beginning of Sefer HaMitzvot. In the beginning of Sefer HaMitzvot, the Rambam doesn't simply jump in to giving us the count or the enumeration of the different mitzvot. Rather, the Rambam first provides us a number of shorashim, which are the roots, which are the guidelines by which he was able to create this count. So the Rambam, before giving us the count of mitzvot, he gives us the guidelines by which he arrived at this number of mitzvot, what was included, what is not included. And this gives us a number of insights, not simply into Sefer mitzvot, but into how we understand different ideas that are presented in the Torah, why certain things would be brought down as a mitzvah, and why others would not. So the Rambam says in Shoresh Gimel, the Rambam lays out this rule for us that we don't include in our count of mitzvot any mitzvah that is not noheg lidoro, that doesn't apply for generations. Da, ki amram in Masachat Mako, Tariag mitzvot namrulo lemosha, visinai mora al heyot zeha mispar, meha mitzvot hanohagot lidoro. It tells us in the Gemara Masech Makot on Daf Chaf Gimel on Bet that Tariag Mitzvot Namrulola Moshe. Moshe received six hundred and thirteen Mitzvot at Har Sinai, and this includes the Mitzvot Hanoha Gold Ledoro, the Mitzvot that apply for generations. Ki Mitzvot Sheino Agol Ledoro, because Mitzvot that do not apply for future generations in Kesher Lahem Besinai. 
There was no reason for them to be presented at Harsinai. They have no connection to the people who were there at Sinai. That everything that was given over at Sinai has to be applicable for all of the generations. Things that were applicable just to each individual generation, we do not bring down. We do not believe that those had any sort of kesher to those of us standing at Harsinai, because those standing at Harsinai were those that were going to be the future generations. So the Rambam tells us that the only mitzvah that we would enumerate are the ones that are going to apply for generations. And it tells us in Bamidbar, again, if we look back at our Pasuk, it's, Rashi is going to have an understanding based on this understanding of the Rambam. He is commenting on our Pasuk, When it, as we read in Bamidbar and Parashat Pinchas, where it talks for the second time about the Karban Tamid, it says, Ha'asuya Sinai. And Rashi asks here and says, what does this mean? What is this alluding to? Was the Karban Tamid truly done at Harsinai? And Rashi comments here and says, Rashi says, this Karban Tamid that it is talking about here in Sefer Bamidbar, where it says, is the same one that was done at the Milu'im, at the days of dedicating and establishing the Mishkan. Rashi says we connect the Karban Tamid that we perform to the Karban Tamid that was given at Harsinai itself. At Matan Torah, there was Karbano given. And as we're going to see later on in this year, there was a Machloket, what type of Karban was given at, this, um, at the Sinai Covenant. And one of the opinions that is going to be presented is that it was a Karban Tamid. So Rashi is bringing down that opinion. He says, And he gives us proof from the language that is used at Harsinai that this was truly a Karban Tamid. But I want to focus on for one minute the first position that was presented by Rashi, which was, That this is the same as the Karban that was done in the days of the Milu'im. And based on the opinion of Rashi, understanding the opinion of the Rambam, we can come to understand why we have this repetition. That the first example that we are given in our Parsha of the Karban Tamid, the first explanation we are given about it, is specifically the Karban Tamid that was done during the Amei Milu'im, that was done in dedication of the Mishkan. That, however, according to the Rambam, would not be something that would apply for us for generations. That that was simply a mitzvah for that generation when they were building and establishing the Mishkan. And therefore, in Sefer Bamidbar, it is brought down again in order that we should have this mitzvah of Karban Tamid for all of the generations. That based simply on the um, explanation of Karban Tamid that we were given in our parsha, this would not have counted as a mitzvah Lidoro. So therefore it is written again, and that mitzvah is the one that is Lodoro. So it is a repetition in language, or what seems to us as an idea, but the context of it gives us different contexts in which it would apply, and therefore one is applicable to us, while one was simply applicable at that generation. So based on this, we can begin to understand that there is a dual nature to the Karban Tamid. That there is one Karban Tamid that was given at the initiation of the Mishkan. And then there is one Karban Tamid that is given day in and day out 
every single day, morning and evening in the Mishkan, and later on in the Bishamikdash. This is giving us a deeper insight into the dual nature, not only in the when the karbanot were given, but rather in the nature of the karban itself. One of the karbanot is from the Yemei Hamiluim, the days of establishment. This is the exciting karban tamid. However, just to keep in the back of our minds that the karban tamid that is brought down for generations, the one that is listed for us as a mitzvah is the one in Sefer Bamidbar. Not the one that is given in the context of the excitement and the establishment of the Mishkan, but rather the one that is given in the daily grind, the day in and day out, morning and evening, every single day in the Mishkan. So there's this dual nature. There is the exciting, new, yeah, exciting Karban Tamid, and there is the more regular, consistent Karban Tamid. The Gemara Menachot tells us, even further, that not only was there the Karban Tamid that was given at the initiation of the Mishkan, but rather the Karban Tamid is what is used to rededicate the, Mish- the, the Mizbeach. In the event that the Mizbeach would need to be rededicated, that it would something happened and they have to reinitiate, rededicate the Mizbeach, the Karban Tamid is what would be used. The Gemara Menachot tells us, Amara Bishimot. So first it says you can only, Rabbi Shimon tells us you can only initiate the Mizbeach HaZahav with the Ketorah. And the Mizbeach HaOla, you can only initiate with the Karban Tamid Shel Shachar. And you can't initiate the Shulchan, but only with the Lechem HaPanim. The menorah you can also only initiate with a certain lighting, which was in the afternoon. So the karban tamid is what is used to initiate and to reinitiate the mizbeach. The, fa- the gemara that follows this, this is from um, the gemara Menachon on Daf. Um, Daf 49a, and the Gemara on 50a quotes a Breita that brings down a further halacha. It says, if you miss the morning, um, you, if you miss the morning Karban Tamid, and you have to reinitiate the Mishkan, you, the Mizbeach, you can also do it during the afternoon Karban Tamid. And Rashi comments there that the halacha of the dedication of the Mizbeach comes out from our mitzvah in Parsha Tzitzavah that we saw that there the Karban Tamid was used to initiate the Mizbeach, and so too, in any further circumstance, you would use that mitzvah in Tzitzavah about dedication, and you would use the mitzvah in Mamidbar about the daily Karban Tamid. So we see this general cloud that in Parsha Tzitzavah, we're talking about exciting. We are, so, we are talking about the dedication, the new use of the Mizbeach, and later on in Mamidbar, we are talking about the consistent regular bringing of the Karban Tamid. The Ramban in Parsha Pinchas, however, disagrees with Rashi's opinion. The Ramban states that the commandment in Tetzavah says, it is also for generations, and therefore the Ramban disagrees that the one in Tetzavah is for um, just that, that exact generation, and the one in Bamidbar is for future generations. Rather, the Ramban says that we can actually look at it in the Ramban. The Ramban says, 
So the Ramban says, I have a different opinion. Rashi t- told us that in Tetzaveh it is for the current generation and is talking about the Yemei HaMiluim. And in Sefer Bab Midbar it is talking about future generations. However, it says there, Olat HaMid L'Dorotichem, Ve'al Pia Midrash in Echadish Khan, Dvarim Rabimek Karbani Zahadam Lachmi, Ilu Amrin Le'ishe, Ilu Kamsin V'Lovona, the Ramban goes into detail now and says, rather, why does it say one time about the Karban Tamid in Parsha Tzava? And another time in Parsha Pinchas, and he says, because originally when we are commanded in Parsha Tzavah, we receive the basic commandment. This is the commandment of Parsha Tzavah. However, then after that, as we go through Sefer Vayikra, and finally we end up in Bambinvar, we receive more and more details of all the Karbanot. So the Raman says, is the commandment to bring the Karban Tzavah is here in Parsha Tzavah. However, after we learned all these additional halachot, about everything that has to go into the carbon, what is included, what is not included, when it is brought, where it is brought, about the dam, about the different elements of bringing a carbon. In Bamidbar, it is simply a summary of everything we learned until that point. Then after we have gone through the entire avoda, everything that we need to know about working in the Mishkan, we get this small recap. So although we already learned about the carbon tamid, it makes sense that we would repeat the rules again during this sort of summary parsha in which we include all of the halachot of karbanot that we learned until this point. So again, the two opinions, why is it repeated twice? Rashi says one is Lador Hazah, one is Lidoro, one was for the Yemei Hamiluim, while the other is for the constant everyday bringing of the karban tamid. The Ramban, on the other hand, says, no, it is not as complex as that. In Parsha Tzavet, it is also Lidoro. This is our commandment to bring the karban tamid. When it is repeated in Sefer Bamidbar, that it is simply that. It is a repetition. It is that now that we have learned all of these additional halachot of karbanot, we repeat it again so that we understand the context of all of these halachot that we learned and how that plays into the avoda as a whole. But with this, it brings us to our second question, which is, if we are saying, according to the Ramban, or even according... To if we're if we're going according to Rashi, then it contextualizes this mitzvah. That our second question was going to be: Why is this parsha of the Karban Tamid written directly next to Vishachanti Vitoch B'nai Israel during this context of initiating the Mishkan? So if we're going according to Rashi, it makes perfect sense. He says this was specifically the Karban Tamid that was given during the Yemei HaMiluim. This was not meant to be that consistent everyday karban. Rather, this was the one that was given during Yemei HaMiluim, during the day of dedication. But if we're going according to the Ramban, and the Ramban says, no, this is our commandment of the karban tamid, the next time we learn about it is in Sefer Midbar, and there it is simply a summary. According to the Ramban, then, how do we contextualize the karban tamid? Why is the Karban Tamid presented to us within this context of learning about the Kohanim and the building of the Mishkan, the Malachan HaMishkan? 
Why is it written there and not only later on within the context of the Avodah in the Mishkan? And to understand this, I want us to look for a moment into the Gemara and Chagiga. The Gemara and Chagiga is discussing what was, what is the meaning of the fact that it says that the Karban Tamid was given at Harsinai. What is that meant to teach us? And as we said, the different Mepharshim tried to give different explanations as to what Karban was actually given at Harsinai. And this is the discussion that is going on in the Gemara and Chagiga. And our Pasuk about the Karban Tamid is going to be brought as one of the opinions, but there is another opinion. So the first opinion that is presented in the Gemara and Chagiga is that the carbon that was given at Har Sinai as part of the Brit, as part of the, of the covenant that occurred, was a carbon olat re'iyah. This was a carbon that was given. Um, this was the carbon olat re'iyah. The carbon re'iyah is a reflection, is a carbon that is given. Um, sorry, I just lost my place in my notes. Um, the carbon olat re'iyah is one that one would bring that was totally dedicated to Hashem. The what is this carbon re'iyah? It was a carbon that, as opposed to eating portions of the carbon, this was a carbon that would be completely brought on the mizbeach, and all of the parts would be consumed by Hashem. If we are understanding that the carbon that was brought at Har Sinai was a carbon re'iyah, that makes a lot of sense within what we understand the role of this carbon would have been. Now, when we're bringing a carbon at Harsinai, we want to bring something that shows our total subservience to Hashem. And that is the Ola Re'iyah. This is a carbon that shows that we give over everything to Hashem. So at Matan Torah, when we were completely pledging ourselves to Hashem, it makes perfect sense that that would be the carbon that we would give. However, Beit Hillel brings another opinion. And Beit Hillel brings his opinion based on our Pasuk that says, Behar Sinai Nitnu. Kisavri Beit Hillel. Ola Shehikrivi Yusa'alba Midbar. Ola Tamid Have. Ubeit Shamai Savri Ola. Beit Shamai is the one who brings that it was the Ola. Shehikrivi Yusa'alba Midbar. Ola Re'iyah Have. Beit Shamai is the one who says it was an Ola Re'iyah. It was this carbon of subservience where they completely pledged themselves and everything they had to Hashem. However, Beit Hillel says, that this is a carbon tamid. It was a carbon tamid that they gave in the at Har Sinai because of our pasuk. But Rav Soloveitchik asks a question based on a Gemara in Krita. He says that we consider the carbon that was given at Har Sinai, whichever t- type of carbon it was, to be the paradigm of a carbon geira. That when someone was going to convert, they had to offer a sacrifice upon conversion. And he says the carbon that was given at Har Sinai was this carbon geira. It was this carbon that they would give at any other conversion because this was as if our conversion as a nation. This was when we were all becoming the Jewish people, and therefore they gave a carbon geira. So he says, based on this Gemara and Krita, it seems to go against both the opinions of Beit Hillel and Beit Shammai that it wasn't a carbon olat riyah and it wasn't a carbon olat tamid. And Rav Soloveitchik gives us an answer that I believe brings us to our midah of this week. Rav Soloveitchik says, One can explain the identification of a carbon gira with the opinion that the covenantal burnt offering was analogous to the olat re'iyah. The idea of olat re'iyah is that one should bring a burnt offering when one appears before Hashem as an expression of one's total subservience to him. 
Similarly, when Bnei Israel completed their Gerut process and appeared before Hashem at Har Sinai, they brought a carbon analogous to a carbon re'iyah as a reflection of their total acceptance and subservience to the will of Hashem. The same carbon was demanded from every Ger during the time of the Mikdash, as he appeared before Hashem to unconditionally accept Hashem's will. So he says, if you say that this carbon Gerut really was this carbon re'iyah, that makes a lot of sense. Because what is a ger, what is a convert saying when they bring this carbon? They are saying that they are completely subservient to Hashem, that they are giving over everything they have to Hashem. They are becoming part of the Jewish people. They are ridding of their old identity, and they are becoming part of the Am Hashem. However, how does Rav Soloveitchik approach the fact that possibly this was a carbon tamid that was this carbon gerut? Is a ger really meant to just bring a carbon tamid as his conversion offering? Does that make a lot of sense? The carbon tamid is something that was just given every single day. This wasn't a carbon that was given in unique circumstances. And Rav Soloveitchik argued that the carbon gera is certainly not a carbon tamid. Rather, the tamid is the eternalization of our national gera. What does that mean? He said he believes that at Harsinai, we gave a carbon gera. We gave a different carbon. But how does that relate to the carbon tamid? He says, twice daily, B'nai Israel are required to bring that very same carbon that they brought during the Sanaitic covenant as a completion of the Girat. Every morning and evening, Yisrael must commemorate the initial moment of the covenant of Harsinai. No, we did not give a carbon tamid at Harsinai. The carbon tamid is a specific carbon that is meant to be given every morning and every night. However, he says, how does that then relate to this idea in the Gemara, the idea of Beit Hillel, that a carbon tamid was given at Har Sinai? He says the carbon gerut, this unique special carbon, was given at Har Sinai. And every single day, the carbon tamid comes to reaffirm what we gave over to Hashem with that carbon gerut at Har Sinai. And what does that mean for us? What Rav Soloveitchik is teaching us is he is saying that, yes, there was the carbon tamid, whichever carbon that was, that was given at the initiation. So whether you are going according to Rashi or you are going according to the Ramban, this carbon tamid, there was a carbon tamid that initiated the Mizbeach. And then after that, there was a carbon tamid each and every day, morning and night, morning and night. But this is not disconnected, like the Ramban says. This is not a completely separate mitzvah from that of which we gave during the Miluim. Rather, the Miluim was the beginning of this process. And each and every day is the reaffirmation of what we gave with that original carbon. That every single day, we are serving Hashem in a consistent way. And that is what sets the, the table, that is what sets the context for Vishachanti Betolf B'nai Israel. That it is not that there was this grand one-time carbon and then Hashem said Vishachanti Betolf B'nai Israel. No, it is the establishment of the carbon tamid with that very first tamid. Everything new begins somewhere, but it is not the new and exciting one that gave us the Vishachanti Betolf B'nai Israel. Rather, it is according to, as the Ramban says, it is just the beginning of this consistent everyday action that brought Hashem to dwell among us. This is our Amidah for this week. The idea of the Karban Tamid is that of consistency. 
The consistency is what brings about Hashem's presence among us. That it is not just about the grand miluim, the celebration of the initiation of the Mishkan that brought about Hashem's presence. Rather, it is that Hashem pauses from all of the excitement, the Malachat HaMishkan, teaching us how to establish everything that is going to be so new and beautiful and exciting. And Hashem pauses from there. Before he promises us that he will dwell among us, he says, as if, we are going to have all this new and exciting. We are going to have this celebration of the Luim, of the establishment of the Mishkan. But what is going to bring my Shechina to rest within the Mishkan? What is truly going to bring about the divine purpose of the Mishkan? It is the Karban Tamid. It is when you recognize that the purpose of the Mishkan is to be moved beyond the Miluim. It is to move on to the Karban Tamid, to initiate the Mishkan, but also to initiate it with its service of what is going to happen each and every day. And that is what, what is going to bring about. It is the consistency of how we serve Hashem each and every day that truly brings Hashem down into our lives. The Midrash and Barishas Rabbah tells us, Ben Azai Omer, Ben Azai and um, Rabbi Akiva, and as we are going to see in, in the next Midrash that is brought down by the Maharal, a number of the different Rabbanim are discussing what is the mitzvah, what is the Pasuk in the Torah that is the catch-all for the entire Torah. And Ben Azai Omer, Zeh Sefer Toldos Adam. Very simple, start with Zeh Sefer Toldos Adam. This is what is going to, this is the story of the birth of the entire human race. That is the Pasuk that encapsulates the entire Torah, because everything fits within that. Zeh Sefer Toldos Adam, everything fits in within it being the Sefer Toldos Adam, the story of the development of the humankind. Zeh Kolal Kol HaTorah. Zeh Kolal Gadol HaTorah. Rabbi Akiva Omer, Ve'ahafta L'Reyach HaKamocha. Zeh Kolal Gadol HaTorah. Rabbi Akiva teaches us, love your brother as yourself. This is the Chal Gadol Torah. This is the overarching theme. This is the all-encompassing Pasuk of the Torah. However, the, Ram, the Maharal brings down another Midrash um, that brings down even more examples of what different Rabbanim threw out as their examples of what encapsulated all of Torah. So aval perish rishon rishon ikar shakach muchach hamidrash vayin ur betimsa bechibor in Yaakov bahakdamar hakatov shematza hakibor memidrash achad ben zoma omer matzinu pasak kolal yoter ben zoma says we found the pasak that includes even more so even more than zesefer told us Adam even more than v'yahaftalarecha kamocha v'hu shema Yisrael Hashem alokinu Hashem achad. This one seems like a pretty good, has a pretty good chance of being correct. Shema Yisrael Hashem Elokeinu Hashem Echad. This is our statement of our belief in God. This is our, as if our mission statement, and therefore includes all of Torah. Benanas Omer, but we have more suggestions that are thrown out. Benana says, Matzinu Pasuk Kolel Yoter. We found the Pasuk that includes even more. Benanas agreed with Rabbi Akiva, and he says, no, but Shimon ben Pazi comes along, and Shimon ben Pazi Omer. Matzinu pasuk kolal yoter. We found a pasuk that includes even more. V'zeh et ha'keves ha'achad ta'aseh ba'boker v'chuleh. This is the pasuk of the Karban Tamid. Et ha'keves ha'achad ta'aseh ba'boker v'et ha'keves ha'shini ta'aseh ben harabayim. This is the pasuk that includes all of Torah. 
Amad Rav Ploni al Raglav Amar Halacha Kibem Pazi. This midrash concludes and says Halacha Kibem Pazi. That Ben Pazi is the one who is correct. That above Zesifer told us Adam. Above Yahaftalarecha Kamocha. Above Shema Yisrael Hashem Alukino Hashem Echad. Ben Pazi came along and told us that the pasuk that encapsulates the entire Torah, if we had to boil down all of Torah to just one pasuk, it would be now, if we did not believe that Midrashim had some sort of element of Ruach HaKodesh, we would be inclined to say that this must have been a typo. How could it be Halacha Kibben Pazi? It can't possibly be that the entire Torah is boiled down to the Karban Tamin. Shouldn't it definitely be something like Shema Yisrael HaShem Elokeinu HaShem Echad? But what the Maharal goes on to explain is that it is exactly the Karban Tamid that encapsulates the entire Torah. That the Torah is not about grand proclaim, proclamations of faith. The Torah is not about the large, grand things that we do for Hashem. Rather, all of Torah can be boiled down to the fact that what we do every single day consistently is what brings Hashem into our lives. The yes, we can stand up and scream, Shema Yisrael Hashem Elokeinu Hashem Echad. But it is the consistency of our actions, the consistency and our dedication on a daily basis to our Avodah Hashem that brings Hashem down truly into our lives. And therefore, Halacha Kibben Pazi. That if you have to boil down the entire Torah, boil it down to the Karban Tamid, the thing that we do every single day that shows our commitment to our Avodah Hashem. I want to conclude with an idea from a Gemara and Masachat Sota. The Gemara and Sota is talking about the fact that everything in the world is always deteriorating, that there is this idea that once something is creating, it is always in a state of deterioration. The Ella Alma Amai, Kam Mekayim Akdusha de Sidra, the Ahesh Me Raba, the Agadita Shanamar, Eretz Aifata, Kimo Ufel Talmavet, the Lo Sidarim, Hayesh Sidarim, Tofia Me Ufel. The Gemara poses a question, but if everything is always deteriorating, why does the world continue to exist? The Gemara answers, by the sanctification that is said in the order of prayer after the passage that begins, and a Redeemer should come to Israel, which includes the recitation and translation of the sanctification by the angels and the response of Yehesh Rabba, let his great name be blessed, which is recited after the study of the Agadah as it states, a land of thick darkness, as darkness itself, a land, the shadow of death, without any order. Therefore, it can be inferred from this verse that if there are any orders of prayer and study, the land shall appear from amidst the darkness. So the Gemara is asking, if the world is always in a state of deterioration, what keeps the world from com- disappearing completely? And the Gemara answers that it is the Siddharim. What are the Siddharim? The Gemara goes on to explain that this is the, this is the study of Torah, of tefillah and of praising Hashem's name, that it says the proclamation of Yehesh Me Rabba Mevorach Maya. When we sanctify Hashem's name, when we um, when we state that Hashem is eternal, that is what what sustains the earth. And it quotes here a pasuk from Eov that talks about the land as a land of darkness. 
And it talks about that something will appear from within the darkness. What is this that will appear from within the darkness? This is our tefillah. This is our study of Torah. And this is our praise from Hashem. Rashi comments here and says, Akdusha de Sidra. What is this Kedusha from the Sidra, from the Seder? Seder Kedusha shalotignua elashi hu kolisha Torah bechol yom davar mu'ah. What is it that sustains the earth? It is not just the existence of Torah, rather it says Akdusha de Sidra, the Kedusha of Seder, of something that happens consistently. That he says, it is the establishment of the fact that B'nai Israel should learn Torah and should daven every single day, that every single day they should be osik by Torah a little bit. So it's the establishment of stating every single day is what keeps our world sustained. That when every single day, not just at one time we make a Kiddush Hashem, not just at one time we learn Torah, rather that every single day we set aside that we should say every day we should praise Hashem's name. And every day we should daven a little. And every day we should learn a little bit of Torah. It is the establishment of this Seder that gave us light from within the darkness. The Marasha goes on to explain, the Marasha explains how this idea of Seder bringing us light from within the darkness was established at, before we, during this time of the Mishkan to prepare us for the time of the Galas. Now, Hashem knew that although when we are in the Mishkan, we have the Seder Hayom, we have these things we do for Hashem every single day. The establishment of the fact that we have to learn Torah every single day, and we have to daven every single day, and we have to praise Hashem every single day, was what was going to sustain us when the Mishkan and the Beis HaMikdash were no longer there. It was our preparation for the exile that we had to recognize, that we had to maintain this consistency that we had in the Mishkan in order that we should be able to survive when we are no longer present in the Mishkan and in the Beis HaMikdash. There is this idea that the Marsha goes on to continue to develop, that why does it compare this to darkness? Because there are two types of darkness. There is darkness in which you have seen that room in the light, and there is darkness in which you have never seen that room in the light. The darkness in which you have never seen the room in the light is so much scarier because you have no idea where you're going, what to expect, what to look for. The room that you have experienced it previously in the light is much less scary because you have something that is guiding you. You have your previous understanding, what you know to be true from beforehand, that will guide you now, even though you can't see. And this is what is compared to Hashem giving us this seder, this consistency in the Mishkan, in order to prepare us for when we no longer have the Mishkan. That in the Mishkan, we have this Karban Tamid, and this idea of the Karban Tamid is meant to be our guide when we are in that darkness, when we no longer have the Mishkan, when we no longer have the Mikdash. It is this idea of consistency 
of what we do each and every day, day in and day out, that guides us when we no longer have that light. I want to conclude with one statement from the Sefer Arachlaner. The Sefer Arachlaner is discussing whether the Beis HaMikdash is going to be built by human hands or by Hashem. And it says, Rashi. Rashi tells us that the Beis HaMikdash is going to come down completed from Shemayim. We really should say that the Beis HaMikdash should be revealed soon in our time, not because if we are going according to Rashi, we believe that the Beis HaMikdash has already been built and it is only waiting up in Shemayim for it to come down when we are worthy of it. However, we know every single day that we daven that the Beis HaMikdash should be built. This would be a tefillah shav. This would be a complete waste of a tefillah. Because it's already been built. We should daven that the Beis HaMikdash should be revealed speedily in our days. The Binyam Beis HaMikdash, the Beis HaMikdash will be a mamish, a building. We will have to build it B'day Adam. Human beings will build the Beis HaMikdash. So how do we understand the statement that it tells us that Hashem, the Mikdash of Hashem Kununu Yadacha? That the Sefer Arachlaner is telling us, how do we understand, how is the Beis HaMikdash going to appear eventually in Mirta Hashem when Mashiach comes? Is it going to be Ma'aseh B'nai Adam? Is it going to be built by human hands? Is it going to be built by Hashem? How do we understand both of them? And the Arach Laner tells us that the building of the Beis HaMikdash is going to be Bidei B'nei Adam, that we are going to have to work consistently to build the Beis HaMikdash. It is going to be a work of our hands. It is going to be the effort that we put in. And then we daven that Amir Tashem Bimhir Rabbi Aminu, Hashem should infuse His Shechina within the work that we do. That we are meant to understand that Hashem is only going to be the Shachanti Betoch B'nai Israel if we put in our consistent effort. If we put in that Karban Tamid, we offer up to Hashem every single day consistently, that then Hashem is going to rest among us. So now we understand that within this context of the building of the Mishkan and the establishment of the Mishkan and the Miluim, the dedication of the Mishkan, We have to pause here and recognize that what is at the core, what is essential to all of this functioning in the way it should, with the Shekhinah of Hashem resting among it, is that Karban Tamid, and that is the key. So Mirza Hashem, may we be able to internalize this idea of consistency, that it is not about the grand things that we do, that we make statements and proclamations and grand gestures of our Amunah and Hashem, Rather, what is most important in order to bring Hashem into our lives is the consistency, is the atakevesa achad ta'asabah boker, the atakevesa shini ta'asabin harbayim. And when we do that, when we bring our, the karban tamid from ourselves, then Hashem says, v'shachanti v'toch b'nei Yisrael.